Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello, everyone. My name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Tiffany Spencer. She is the owner and founder of a Mindset by Design LLC. How are you doing today, Tiffany? I'm great. How are you, Brad? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share with us a bit about your story and your journey. I'm looking forward to jumping in. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, let's jump right in. Perfect. Do it. So as mentioned, you're the owner and founder of a Mindset by Design LLC. You are an NLP practitioner and a coach. What are some of the key things that you do to prioritize and organize you and your time so you don't burn out with all that you do? It's <laughs> a good question, right? <laughs> <So> <laughs> I also want to mention in there that I'm a wife and mom of two girls that are busy doing travel sports. So it's a lot more than just that. So Absolutely. I do have to keep myself organized and prioritized, right? I think one of the things that I do is I really notice how I'm feeling. So if I'm feeling overwhelmed and feeling stressed, I feel you just wrapped for time. I really take a second to just anchor myself to the moment. Sometimes in those moments, I'm feeling like I'm living too far from my past where I'm bringing a lot of stress and a lot of baggage with me, or I'm projecting too far in the future. So one of the things that I really, really do is I really just ground myself. And I think that helps me just kind of say, okay, what, what can I do today? What can I affect today that I don't have to worry about tomorrow? You know, so I don't, I, I really filter through those things in the moment. One of the other things I like to do is I really like to journal and I journal with purpose. It's not, I just puke on paper and stick it in a drawer. <laughs> Right. Because that's what we've been told all these years. So just journal. And it's like, no, I journal with a purpose. And what I mean by that is when I journal, I really write down all of my thoughts and my feelings. I don't try to run from it. I don't try to kind of, you know, curtail what I'm talking about. I just let it kind of all flow. And then what I do is I, I walk away from it. Right. And when I walk away and come back, I will come back with a, a different purpose. I'll come back from almost a third person perspective where I'm reading it as if it's one of my girlfriends telling it to me. And when I do that, it allows me to really sift through my emotions and my belief systems and really get to the root of what's bothering me in the moment. I think those two are probably the biggest that I use on a continual basis. Journaling with purpose. I love that. That's great. Yes. You're right. We are, we are told to journal and yeah, a lot of people do, as you say, just puke on paper and, and tuck it away and that's it. So Yeah. They don't do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I know for some of my clients, it's like, you know, I tell them to journal, they're like, yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's back up here for a second. You know, we're going to journal with a purpose. We're going to journal as if we're looking for something. We're super sleuthing, if you will, kind of through our own thoughts and, and, you know, kind of our, our feelings. But, you know, when I do that, it just, it really grounds me back to, okay, what is really bothering me in the moment? And, you know, burnout really comes from 
emotions. You know, yeah. it's, it's, that's really the heart of it. So when I can really ground myself with how I'm feeling and anchoring myself to those moments, it doesn't linger. So I don't sit there. I mean, it's okay to go through it and feel the feels, but don't live there. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And it, and you want to process it, you know, yeah, what is sure. really, you know, that's part of the emotional intelligence piece of all of this is that self-awareness to moving to self-regulation, right? I feel yeah. this, I feel sad, I feel heavy, I feel burned out, I feel tired, but why do I feel those things? And if I, you know, it's because I feel like I'm the only one doing something, for example, you know, my husband's doing this, but I feel like I'm doing everything else. Yeah. And then I'll ground myself back to that and saying, yeah, am I really doing everything myself? Do I really need to burn myself out with this thought process? No. And, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm coming back and saying, Hey, no, my husband's doing these things. This is just my part of my responsibility and our, our co-parenting, if you will, in our household yeah. and, you know, getting our kids to all these activities. And, you know, there's days that, you know, you can allow that stuff to, to overrun you. And I just choose not to. That's, that's the key is choosing not to. Yeah, correct. What were you doing for a living before you decided to make the jump into entrepreneurship? Can you tell us a bit about your previous life? We'll call it before entrepreneurship. <laughs> if I want to go into all those details, Brad, no, <laughs> you know, my life before I kind of jumped into this, you know, business creating mode was, and I know we're going to talk about it here just a little bit, but I was very sick for two, almost three years prior to that. I, you know, I have a nursing background, so I am a licensed medical professional as a registered nurse. I have an ICU CCU background. So I did critical care for many years. And then I decided to leave the bedside and go into sales, which okay. is very rare for nurses. Because yeah, you know, we have this empathetic, you know, nature about us, yeah. but I also have a very type A personality. And so it was, it was a really good mix for me. And so I, I left the bedside and, and it became, you know, my first sales job as a clinical consultant. Okay. So it was kind of a mix of both worlds. And so I did that for several years, moved up into an account executive position with the same company. So that was more of a, you know, more of a leadership role there. And then after several years of doing that, I was like, eh, I just kind of want more for my career. I ended up making a move to a fortune 50 company and that was a whole different bird, <laughs> I'm sure. especially being a female in a very male dominated industry yeah. and not coming from just the sales force, but also my clientele. I worked with a lot of vascular surgeons who are pretty much all males. I think I had yeah. one very rare for women to go into vascular surgery and did that for many years. And then I moved up the ladder even higher and went into a regional management sales position. And that's kind of where my career stalled out because of illness. And then I decided coming through this illness, I was like, you know what? There's so many other people like me that don't have the support, don't have the personal development, the things that they need. And I'm like, why am I not the person to create that? And so that's how we got started. And so how did you find that transition then from the security of obviously a high, high level job in corporate in that world into entrepreneurship? And that's another good question. Cause I think, you know, I, looking back, you know, a couple of people have asked me, they're like, would you have done this, you know, if you were in your current role? And I don't think I would have because I had the safety and, and security of the financial piece, but coming through this and kind of going through my own struggle, I realized that was not what was important to me. And I think moving into this entrepreneurship, you know, sector has been more purposeful for me, not only for women, but also for men. And, yeah. you know, I think moving into this role and the people that I've talked to thus far, they're like, what you're doing is so needed. And it's the tough conversations. It's the conversations that have needed to, you know, happen for years. 
and we have them, right? I mean, there's in minute amounts, but not something that's been focused. And I think it's a good time now, especially with the transition with COVID. COVID has just yeah. shoved us into a whole different realm, right? And so I think, you know, making that jump has, has been the right time. And I think it just, it all worked out the way that it was supposed to. I think COVID had a huge hand in, in this type of mindset shift for a ton of people. Oh. So many people have, have left the corporate world behind and, and gone into entrepreneurship because of COVID and it's forced hands of a lot of people. And I think that the shift has been so good. I mean, don't get me wrong. There is a lot of loss and yes. and stuff like that through COVID, but there has been a hell of a lot of good that's come out of it as well. There, We have to look at the silver lining of, of the situation, right? Right. Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, we can, you know, there has been a lot of loss. There's been a lot of devastation. There's been a lot of, you know, not just personally, but professionally, right? It, yeah. It's, it has no boundaries when we talk yeah. about this. And, you know, it has really divided our country in a number of ways. And businesses are suffering from that. But what you're also seeing too, Brad, is that businesses are being exposed, right? Yeah. And what you're finding in that exposure is that all they've cared about, unfortunately, is their bottom line. Yes. There's been such a disconnect from the CEO to the founder, to the bottom person on the run, right? Mm -hmm. To the person that works the front door. And, you know, I was reading an article the other day and it was talking about that 70% of CEOs have no idea that their lowest person who's getting paid. So no matter where that's at in the company, that they are struggling to meet ends meet. There's such a disconnect there and there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be, but they become so insulated that they're not aware of what's being done within the organization. And I think that those are the things that need to change. And those are the type of topics that I think need to be brought to the forefront because these organizations, because they're not able to backfill these positions where they've lost employees because of this, the company's not going to survive. And it's not because you can't find somebody to work. It's the way you've treated your employees until this point. That's That's exactly it. Yeah. And so you're starting to see that shift. Yeah, it's horrible. It's laughable, actually, because I remember when I worked in corporate, their motto was people first. And I just laugh every time I think about that because it's complete bullshit. <laughs> this don't is give bullshit. a shit about the people. <laughs> well, it's true. We even in a in a town hall, I can remember for because I, I felt my job fell under the IT umbrella. And I can remember being in a town hall for the IT of, of the firm. And the CFO stood up there and said, all of you are replaceable. Well, what the fuck does that do for morale? Why would you even like, what is wrong with you? Yep. Like, it, how? It, it is laughable. It is. La- it but is. These are the conversations, Brad, that have happened over the years that we have done nothing about. Nothing. Yeah. And, you know, we're like, oh, well, you know, I've, I've been in town halls with the same thing. It's like, you know, but then two days later, they're cutting 50% of the workforce. Yeah, it's mind blowing to me. And I cannot understand how these big corporations have not figured out yet that you would keep so many more people if you showed them that you value them and respect the work that they do and value the work that they do and treat them properly instead of treating them like, they're replaceable. The yeah. retention well, would be so expendable. much higher. Yeah. 
I mean, and, and they do. I put a blog up a couple of weeks ago about, you know, managing from a, a customer relation management program, you know, like Salesforce. We're managing from these metrics, these KPIs. We're managing from them, but we're not managing from the individual. Yeah. And why I'm not downing, we need KPIs because we need to know where we're at in the organization, sure. but that shouldn't be the only key that you're going off of. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've had managers who are like, hey, here's the bottom line, but they, you know, especially in sales, right? Yeah. <laughs> especially in sales. We are so heavily, you know, monitored with our activities every day. And I'm like, you're not understanding what's going on in this account. Well, it doesn't matter because your sales are down $5,000. Like (laughs) $5,000 in the grand scheme of things when I'm bringing in millions every year is really... It's a drop in the bucket. The drop in the bucket and I'm busting my ass for this. And, you know, I was just, it was, what have you done for me lately? But you haven't done enough. Yeah, <laughs> it was like that hamster wheel. And, yeah. you know, we have to stop this mindset and this mindset, these conversations have to happen. And these leaders of these companies, and this is why I'm, I'm really focused on business leaders and entrepreneurs, because I want to catch entrepreneurs coming up, you know, creating these organizations from the ground up. But, you know, these business leaders, there's such a disconnect, such a disconnect. And it's very much, you know, you scratch my back, I'm going to continue to scratch my own back (laughs) (laughs) and the hell with everything else. And it's, you know, how can I get up that ladder faster than you? But what they don't realize it's new level, new devil. And what you're finding is that many of these business leaders get up there and it's micromanaging. It's, you know, procrastination, it's shitty work-life balance. They're not going home to their wives. They have sexual addictions. All of these things encompass imposter syndrome. And, you know, they don't want to look at those things because it's considered weak. But when you consider 80% of people haven't experienced imposter syndrome in their lifetime, that alone, imagine the productivity you would get out of your workforce with just handling just that, offering training on just that. It's mind blowing to me. Yeah. The shift would be so massive. It would be huge. Huge. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I digress. Tell me about it. Tell me about it, Brad. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about a mindset by design and what the objective of the company is? Yeah, absolutely. So a mindset by design really is about shifting your mindset and, and what we are doing and we kind of alluded to it in just some of the previous conversation we just had is, is really helping business leaders and entrepreneurs create healthy companies using emotional intelligence. And what we're doing is really putting the necessary pieces of the emotional component of the employee at the forefront. And we want, you know, healthy companies from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint, right? It all interconnects. Yeah. And, you know, that also, you know, what people don't understand and, and maybe they're, maybe they do and they just aren't doing anything about it is it doesn't just, you know, affect your professional life. It affects your personal life. And so we're really about creating that mindset. You get to design what it is. And so, you know, it's really that shift in thought process. And mindset is the biggest piece of the whole puzzle. It's such a, it's everything. Mindset is everything. It is everything. And, and, you know, I think for the last couple of years, it's been a very overused term, if I'm being hundred percent honest, yep. but everybody recognizes the word mindset. That's right. <laughs> so You're right. it's such a catch 22, right? And I think we've had coaches out here that have talked about mindset, but they say, oh, well, you have to think better or you have to, you know, you need to do some affirmations. It's all bullshit. 
honest with you, because if you're not truly changing the belief systems Mm -hmm. that are sitting behind why you feel the way that you feel, affirmations will not do shit. And it only affects the 5% of your day. If you're doing an affirmation, I'm going to think better today. I'm going to have a better day today. You know, this is going to go great. That's only affecting your conscious mind. You have to really dig a little bit deeper. And that's really the goal of a mindset by design is giving you actionable tools to change your thought process, to rewire your thought process, not just think differently, but actually rewire the connections that you have sitting behind that computer system in your brain. Well, that's it. You have to look within. And that's part of the problem is that so many people don't want to look within because they're scared of what they'll see. And as we said, mindset is a huge piece of it. But I think everything, the foundation of all of it is self. A thousand percent. It all starts there and then just emanates out to all the other pieces of that puzzle. Yeah. I mean, think about the movie Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah. (laughs) Who is behind the curtain, right? I mean, it just, you think about that movie and it's so, you know, it depicts a lot of, we don't want to see the man behind the curtain or the woman behind the curtain. That's right. Right. And it's this little person inside of us who's just struggling to get out. And I need, I know it seems so, you know, just far-fetched, but it really is true. And, you know, it's, I didn't realize it until I, you know, like I said, coming through this is that I really never listened to that inner critic. You know, the inner critic was so loud and sometimes I would shove her to the side and sometimes I would let her take hold of me. And, you know, I never really had balance and, you know, it was that man behind the curtain. And sometimes revealing that person can be the hardest thing you go through, but almost the best rewarding thing you could ever do for yourself. For sure. So what are your goals? What are your long-term goals for a mindset by design? You know, long-term goals is really creating my own organization, you know, my own healthy organization, if you will, on going into companies, you know, whether they're already established, you know, looking at the corporate entity and really working with personal development courses, offering them an array of things that they can do with their teams, not just these one-offs like, you know, um, hey, I'm going to teach you how to time manage, time block today. Why that's great. We want to offer more than just that and just quit ticking the boxes. So, you know, the goal is to get into organizations and really start creating change, making change, forcing them to deal with some of these hard issues. You know, the second aspect of that is, is working with the entrepreneurial space. We have a massive shift of people leaving the corporate workforce and going into this entrepreneurial space, but they're working off the same belief systems and same corporate structure, whether they choose to you know, acknowledge it or not, they haven't deleted that program yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I really want to start helping them create healthy organizations instead of, hey, we have to run it this way because this is what my company did. I'm just going to do it a little bit better. We want to change that shift because then we start creating all of these other companies that are coming behind it and we're not making the change. We They're have just to doing make the that same change. thing. They're yeah. The, same the definition thing of madness, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so we have to kind of delete that program and say, hey, wait a minute, you can offer mental health days. What if you took one day a month and gave your employees the day off and gave them a mental health day? What would that do for your workforce? Oh, it it would change in in leaps and bounds. Yeah. Just giving them one day off for no reason. You know what? Or they get to choose what day they want off. Hey, I'm going to take this Friday off because it's a mental health day. I'm going to cash that day in. Yeah. Perfect. You know what? But companies refuse to do that. They just, they don't want, because they can't micromanage it. I guess too, part of it, I think, because I saw it with, in, in relation to sick days. So we yes. had, when I was working in corporate, we had 10 sick days a year. 
And it got to a point where the company said, you know what? This is ridiculous. There are so many people taking advantage and exploiting this. So they they shifted it. They changed things. And no, you don't get 10 sick days anymore. That's it. We're, we're removing it because the people were taking advantage. So maybe part of that concern is that they're worried that people will exploit it and take advantage of it and use it not for the purpose that it's set out to be. But I think the majority of the people would use it for what it's meant to be. But of course, there are always going to be those people that take advantage and try and fuck the system and use oh, it. Oh, a thousand percent. Because, you're going right? to have those. Yeah. You're going to you're gonna have the one-offs. But let's take that even a step further, Brad. Yeah. Why are they needing to take so many sick days? True. Are they Very under true. a lot of stress? Under, yeah. they, under a lot of pressure? Are we looking at those things? And I think we fail sometimes to look at why an employee is doing something. Yeah. Maybe they just need it. Maybe they're in a high-pressure environment. And you know what? They get up. And their bodies are so stressed. They're like, I just physically cannot fucking go there today. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you're right. I just cannot. And when you literally take that step back, these are the things that that's that next level, right? It's the next level that we have to look at. And maybe they're not the right fit for the company. You know, that's that's a possibility too. Very true. But we want to, we just want to cut everybody off. But he's getting sick days anymore because everybody's abusing. Yeah, exactly. Because a few bad apples. Let's let's screw everyone else over. But have you looked at why they're doing it? And and a lot of companies do not, but their employees are not, they don't feel safe enough to even say that. Hey, you know what? I'm just calling in sick today because I just need a mental health day. Yeah. That conversation is not happening right now. Oh, for sure. For sure. I had a friend of mine that I worked with. He worked in a different department than I, and he suffered from anxiety and he got so much grief because when he was suffering from an attack or what, he would go into a room, obviously no one else was in the room and he would just sit in there and just try to get himself out of it. And someone found him in one of these rooms one day and they ratted him out to his boss and HR got involved. It was this big thing. And I'm like, I'm thinking, are you fucking kidding me? This guy is dealing with anxiety and you guys are giving him grief and raking him over the coals because He's taking time out for himself in a, in a quiet space in the building. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It is, it is absolutely ridiculous. And these are, these are the things that we want to change. That's the goal behind the company is changing persona, the mindset, the quote unquote weakness of dealing with these things. Yeah. And what if you just take that gentleman, for example, you go in there and say, Hey, you know what? I understand you're having a rough day. Is, yeah. Would you like to talk about this? Is there something yeah. we can do to help you? Yes. Just that empathy piece makes such a big difference to somebody sure. like that who's struggling, who's actually showing up for work. Yeah. Yeah. He's just taken a few minutes out of the day to try and compose himself and deal with what's going on in his head. And he's being raked over the coals for it or punished for it. It's like, you people have no fucking clue. None. None. And that's, that is yeah. the whole entire purpose of this. So your decision to focus your energy and business on helping other businesses and entrepreneurs. I mean, this came out of your own personal experiences and struggles. Can you tell us a bit about your personal journey and struggles? I was going to say, how long do we have on this podcast, Brad? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, let's go. I will give you the very short version. (laughs) Cliff's notes version. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) My personal journey, you know, I, like I said, kind of earlier in the podcast is, you know, I, I went from bedside nursing to, you know, medical device sales and then into sales management. But what I didn't realize even through my journey, looking back on it now was, wow, (laughs) it was new level, new devil, imposter syndrome, you 
know, I barely graduated high school, waited a few years to take the SATs. I met my now husband and he was in college and I was like, well, I can do this too. Like this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And, you know, I was like, well, what am I going to do? So I went into nursing. My grandmother always wanted to be a nurse. I said, you know, I, I want to make her proud. I was the only girl that did graduate high school and to graduate college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, working from that moment, there was a lot of pressure and I started to feel pressure throughout my career, whether that was in nursing, I didn't feel I was good enough to work in the ICU. You know, I had somebody's life in my hands. Was I capable yeah. of doing that? Right. And I just, I started to struggle with it, but I shoved it down. I became more bold, more type A. I became more outgoing, hoping people wouldn't find out. And I started to really doubt myself in moments. And even though I was more than capable of doing the job, I just started to have those those light bulb moments of like, this just doesn't feel good, but I'm just going to yeah. shove it to the side. I can't think like that. And, you know, leaving bedside and going into sales in a very male dominated industry was another... <laughs> mind fucking moment. I'll be honest with you. I had great management. You know, I was very supported on that end, but I still had that internal struggle. I couldn't tell anybody about it, especially being a female. It was like, Oh, you're going to be seen as weak. You cannot do that, especially in sales, right? Sales, you have to have that killer mentality. You, you know, I was told throughout the beginning of my career that nurses can't sell. That was part of the reason why I couldn't move from a clinical position to a sales position is because nurses couldn't sell, but I was the top paid clinical consultant in the company and still couldn't get promoted. And it was just like, I kept (laughs) facing all these barriers. And when I finally got the position, when I finally got a chance to interview for the position, my interview was five minutes long. Five minutes. I drove there for two hours for a five minute interview. Holy shit. And drove two hours back. It was like, yep, we don't doubt you. We know what you're capable of. Here you go. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, where the hell was this a couple of years ago? No. So I, I stayed with the organization. I got my account executive experience. And then I decided to move to a, a larger company, a Fortune 50 company, who was actually ranked number four in the, in the US. So you can imagine some more pressure with that, right? I oh, dealt with sure. vascular surgeons who I absolutely adore my clientele, dealt with a lot of males. So I had to almost take on this male personality, right? right. I was kind of the, the guy's girl. I, I love to watch football and I love to drink beer out of a bottle. And all the good things that I could do to connect with my male counterparts. But where I started to notice the difference was I was a mom and that I had to really struggle with because a lot of my male counterparts had work at home, stay at home moms. And I would get questions all the time. And I used to tell my husband this and I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't believe I go to this meeting and everybody's like, well, who's watching your kids? (laughs) What do you mean? Who's watching my kids? My husband? (laughs) Right. Well, you don't have reinforcements coming in. No, we're perfectly capable, you know, and this was constant. And towards the end of that journey with, you know, my career there, we kind of merged divisions and my new leader who came in, which my first original leader, I absolutely love her to death. I still talk to her all the time and she is my ride or die. I just, I love her. She is such a good mentor, but this new leader who came in, he was like, Oh no, You know, she's a leader. I was doing team leadership stuff. I was in charge of all of that within my division with external divisions. I was top in sales. My first year there, I made almost $600,000 in a territory that didn't perform in 10 years. Holy shit. And I did that pregnant. (laughs) Wow. So I was very good at what I did. But what I started to notice was there was such a discrepancy in how I was being treated 
as a mom and as a wife in my territory with my new boss. And so much so that I was getting accounts taken from me for absolutely no reason. And my last conversation with him was right before I left for a cruise with my family, I was at the airport and I remember this like it was yesterday. And I remember getting this email that came across that said, Hey, I'm going to give this account to your counterpart because I'm afraid you're not going to be able to meet their expectations. After and I was you've like, proven what? yourself. <laughs> After I've proven myself, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Now my counterpart lived 40 minutes from this account. I lived five. That's insane. So I get back from this cruise and I have this conversation and the conversation goes, well, my concern is because you have parenting roles that you are not going to be able to meet their needs in an emergency situation. That's fucking discriminate. That's insane. Thousand percent. At that point, I was covering two states. I had never missed a client appointment. I was on call 24 seven. I would get a call at 3 a.m. I had to go. It could be four hours away. I had to leave. Was on call 24 seven. So I had some sit down conversations with my husband and some of my counterparts, and he was doing this to other women as well. I ended up coming forward and I knew at that moment, I'll be honest with you, Brad, I knew in that moment that my career was done there. Wow. Because you spoke up. Because I spoke up and I was given another manager. He ended up leaving the company. He resigned before he was fired. Comes to find out he had done it to 14 other women. It wasn't just me. Holy shit. And so coming forward, I, you know, I get another manager that comes in and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're not going to get the best of me. And it was an immediate, I felt it immediately. And it was, it was like, I'm not going to let her do this to me. And he did everything he could to write me out of the company to the point where I was put on a performance plan and I had never been put on a performance plan in my 15 year career. And in the performance plan, I asked for feedback, right? That's what a performance plan is for. And the only feedback I was given was make sure that you write down the lit numbers of the, you know, the white papers that you give your customer. That was it. Ridiculous. (laughs) What the hell? What the hell? Right. You can't, you cannot literally give me feedback other than write down the page numbers or the, the lit numbers. So when we reorder these, we know what you're giving away. That was it. And I knew in that moment I was being targeted. Yeah. And performance managing you out. Yeah, very much so. There was nothing I was going to be able to do to, to get out of that. He was riding with me every other week. You know, he brought up my numbers and we were driving back from an account. He got frustrated with me through his papers and my dashboard as I'm driving 65 miles down the interstate. Yeah. And I refused to answer his questions. Uh, and I uh, knew in that moment, something was going to break. And my stress started to get higher. I started to become anxious. And I'm not an anxious person by nature at all. And I didn't even recognize it. I didn't recognize that I was living from a conditioned response because I was always on edge. What were they yeah. going to do to me next? How were they going to get me out of the company? Where am I going to go? What am I going to yeah. do? How I can't mess up. I can't make a mistake. I can't I can't do this. If I take a call, I have to go right now. I can't wait five minutes. Like I was living from such a stressed response that I didn't even recognize it. And so I decided to move companies. My previous manager reaches out and says, Hey, I've got a management position for you. Perfect. Next step. I know what you're going through right now. Let's, let's just move you over here. I'll match what you're making. Fine. Great. <laughs> it's yeah. my out, right? Yeah. Like couldn't have come at a better time. So I go over to this new organization. I come in as a brand new regional sales manager. I'm the only female regional manager in two divisions. I start off with three states. Within a month, we do a massive reorg. I lose my entire team and I end up with 17 states and over 20 employees now. Wow. In less than 30 days. 
Holy shit. With no corporate training whatsoever. None. No personal development, no product training. Hey, just get in there and manage people. Okay. What? (laughs) (laughs) My my head's spinning and I can't. And by the way, you've got to clean up the mess from the previous shit that we had. And my mentor who brought me into the company also got let go that month. Oh, man. So I had no parachute. Within two to three months, I started. I woke up. I was just not feeling myself. And I started having panic attacks. I was having 10 to 15 panic attacks a day. Couldn't get up and move. I was placed on heavy narcotics. I was placed on heavy psychiatric medication. They couldn't figure out what was going on. I completely had a complete nervous system meltdown. And you got to remember, this is not over a long time span. It was like six years. It's not like it's a huge time span. I had other stressors going on. I had death in the family. I lost one of my mentors, my best mentors to cancer. You know, I had family deaths. I had a lot of other stressors that were in there outside of that. And, you know, being a mom to two girls, you know, and and they were young at the time and trying to travel and manage all of that. And, you know, I just, my body shut down. It was very much so. I became bedridden for two years. I used to travel the country for work. I could not leave my spare bedroom. I would sleep in my spare bedroom because my anxiety was so high. I couldn't sleep next to my husband. I couldn't be around my kids. I couldn't go outside and take a walk. The furthest I could go was my mailbox because I felt like the ground was going to swallow me up. And I was completely dysregulated. A month after this started, I ended up in a psychiatric hospital for a week for trying to commit suicide. Jesus. Which was not my personality at all which was side effects of the medication that nobody realized. In the mental hospital, they cold turkeyed me off medication, doped me up on others. I came home, took myself off of everything except for one, because at the time I was like, I don't have any other coping tools. I have no other strategies. I don't know what's wrong with me. I was diagnosed with over 50 different illnesses, including Lyme disease. I had celiac disease. I had gut issues. I had hormone issues, you name it. I was placed on tons and tons of supplements, tons of medications. I still couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't cook. I couldn't take showers by myself. My body just completely said, fuck you. Down. <laughs> and so my body was shutting down so much. I was losing weight rapidly. I couldn't keep weight on. I think at the end, it was a total of 90 pounds that I lost. I was smaller than my 10 year old daughter. Jesus. It just was almost like cannibalism. Like my body was literally eating itself from the inside yeah. out. And I couldn't stop it. So I flew to California for two weeks. Not sure exactly how I did that, but I was heavily drugged. Let's just say that. I couldn't even walk through the airport. So the airport that I used to run to catch airplanes, I could not walk through the airport. And I think that was one of the saddest moments for me is having to be wheeled in a wheelchair in the airport. And so I get to California. I do stem cells. I do stem cells because we were stopping the progression of my body destroying itself. And, you know, my doctor there, he was like, Tiff, he was like, I just, I don't, I think there's other comment. You know, there's something else going on with you because you're a complete sympathetic mode, like just complete. And I said, I, I don't understand. Like I'm just a strong person. I don't get this. And come to find out part of my problem was the medication I was on. It threw me completely into sympathetic mode instead of doing the exact opposite of what it was supposed to do. And so I started to withdraw myself with his help. In February of 2018, I believe it was, yeah, 18, I had to do 18 days in outpatient detox to come off of this medication safely so I didn't have a seizure and die. Jesus. 
after I was off the medication, it was, you know, it was a benzodiazepine. So I had no autonomic response in my body. I couldn't control my heart rate. My resting heart rate would be 220. I couldn't control my blood pressure. I would get up, my blood pressure would skyrocket. And as soon as I laid down or I'd stand up, it would drop, you know, depending on the day and what I was doing. Couldn't control my breathing, couldn't swallow, couldn't eat. That went on for six months, couldn't watch TV, couldn't listen to music. I just sat on the floor and cried. Hoping and waiting for my body to just figure out what it needed to do. Fast forward six to eight months later, I start like, okay, there's something else that I have to be able to do something else. Like I, I'm, this is not, I'm not destined to sit here and die like this. This is not everything that I've been through in my life. This is not possible. This is just not possible. And I struggled with my identity. I had lost everything. You know, Tiffany, the big old bad salesperson and mom wasn't that person anymore. And I had no identity. I could walk past a picture of myself and I didn't recognize who she was. She didn't exist to me. And I had to rewire my entire nervous system from the ground up. And that took a lot of time. No doubt. (laughs) Uh, You know, I had to learn how to re-regulate my blood pressure, re-regulate my heart rate, re-regulate my stress response. I started diving into emotional intelligence work, realizing that I had lived from a conditioned stress response for years and never really realized it. And it wasn't until I had this break that it forced me to say, hey, there's other people just like you. Yeah. Their time is coming. And I, my nursing heart of me who wants to protect others was like, I cannot allow this to happen to somebody else. I cannot do it. And so that's where my journey came. That's where my journey into entrepreneurship, my journey into personal development, all of the things that was like, oh, that's kind of hocus pocus. Yeah, whatever. I've got other things to worry about. It wasn't until I was forced to deal with it when I said, shit. This is bigger than me. That is one hell of a journey. And that's the Cliff Notes version. (laughs) (laughs) So how have these experiences helped shape the Tiffany you are today, do you think? I think the Tiffany I am today, I think is, I don't sweat the big stuff anymore. Like everything was so serious. Oh, I've got to be on time. I've got to do this. Got to do this. And while I still do those things, you know, I still am on time. I try to be early. I try, I don't sweat the big things anymore. I'm more in the present tense. I don't project too far ahead. I don't live from my past anymore. I've learned to let those things go. Again, it's not just thinking better, but I really had to do that pull the curtain behind myself and and look at myself in the mirror. You know, that deep, dark work that has to, that dark night of the soul type of work that has to happen. And it's not easy. It's, it is not easy at all. You know, reframing your belief systems, changing your thought process, looking at things from life is an illusion. And I think when I started to realize that things that were happening were really not happening the way that I thought they were sometimes really messed me up. You know, now I can look at a situation and say, okay, I'm standing in my body. I see this conversation from my angle, but I can see their angle. I can see their angle. Like my viewpoint is no longer just in my body. My viewpoint is 50,000 feet above me. And so, you know, that experience has shaped me into dealing with people so much differently than I did before, including my spouse. You know, my spouse didn't do any of this work. My kids didn't do any of this work, but their responses to me changed because my responses to them changed. Yeah. And so we have a much healthier relationship. And, you know, I think just overall, I was able to keep the good parts of me, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> yeah. um, and let some of the old parts of me go. And it was okay to let that go. And that's, that's the part of, that's the biggest part is realizing that it's okay to let go. Yeah, it really was. And I didn't have to hold on to her anymore. 
what drives or motivates and inspires you to keep going and to keep pushing and excelling at all that you do? I think, you know, I have a lot of one-on-one clients that I coach. I think what motivates me, inspires me so much is, is seeing them with those light bulb moments and seeing them. And I know it sounds so cliche because a lot of us have the same thought and feeling too, when we're, you know, creating our businesses and see the change within people. But, you know, I think it inspires me because it, it shows me that my story was not in vain. You know, what I went through had a purpose in those moments where I laid in. Yeah. yeah, You know, those moments I laid in bed wondering if my life was ever going to be the same again, you know, being able to push myself out of the depths of hell that I wouldn't even place a prisoner in, (laughs) you know, that mental prison, you know, being able to see and prevent somebody else from going through that motivates me. And that light bulb moment of saying, ah, shit, you know what? I am living from a stress response. You know, we go to the doctor and they say, well, you need to think better. You know, you know, you need to relieve your stress. Well, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. (laughs) Right. What does that truly mean? You know, oh, I'm just going to go home and I'm going to take an extra nap or I'm going to get five hours of sleep instead of, you know, four hours of sleep. Yeah. That's not the work that needs to be done. In order to get your stress under control, you have to work on your belief systems. Thousand percent. And it's not talked about. Very true. I want to touch a little bit on, because you have mentioned a few times now, you were the sole female in a male dominated industry. So I come from a corporate background, as I've mentioned, and I've seen the mindset and behavior of the old boys club mentality when it comes to things like equal pay for women and women in C-suite level positions, not like not enough women in C-suite level positions in these big corporations. And it's this whole 1940s mentality that still exists in the year 2021. And I think it's ridiculous. But I think that as a result of COVID and as you and I spoke briefly about it before, is that there's been a lot of good that's come out of it. So I think we're starting to see a shift in mindset with a lot more women making that jump into entrepreneurship. So what are your thoughts on the landscape of entrepreneurship and when women run businesses? Well, obviously you're seeing a change in that, right? I mean, you're seeing a lot of women starting to run their own businesses because they don't want the glass ceiling there anymore, right? (laughs) But part of that glass ceiling is self-imposed. You know, we tend to self-sabotage sometimes with the glass ceiling. And I think that's not talked about as often. It's like, we want to break through this glass ceiling and we play victim mode with it, but yet we don't see that we self-impose it sometimes by the boundaries that we put on ourselves. And I think you're starting to see women maneuver through that where they're, yeah. they're more outspoken. They're willing to take risks. They're willing to take chances. They're willing to start their own companies and kind of you know start by their own rules, which is great, which is what we want to see. But at the same time, are we doing the mindset work behind that to support those women that are changing? True. The glass ceiling thing, though, I mean, in the corporate world, that is really there. It, it is, is absolutely there. there. Absolutely That's not it self-imposed is. there. So how how do women break through that in the corporate? They don't. There's no way for them to break through that in most cases in the corporate world. I think for women, I think we need to stand up more. And what I mean by self-imposed is we're not as aggressive as we should be. And I saw that in my own industry right? Yeah. I put a glass ceiling above me because I, I refused to speak out until I did. I, I limited myself from progressing further in my career by not standing up. So that so. would be the key then is part of the key anyways, is for women to start speaking out, using their voices more 
to continue to, to, to continue to break these glass ceilings or shatter these glass ceilings and break these barriers and change the way of thinking. Absolutely. I think there's definitely, you know, there, there's definitely a gender. <laughs> Obviously, we've been through this for years, right? Yeah. But I just don't want women to live from a victim mode of saying, well, there's men, there's men above me. I'm not going to be able to do anything about it. Right. right. And that's yeah. what I don't want women to do. Yeah. I want women to start using their voice. I want them to break through those ceilings. I want them to not be playing small anymore. And I think you're starting to see women change from that. For sure. For sure. I've, I've definitely noticed a change in the last year and a half just through this, this platform that I've created and speaking to all these different women from all different walks of life and careers and businesses. It's, it's incredible to see the shift. And I can only hope that it just continues to further and a little bit quicker because it's not, I mean, women have been in that position for so long because yes. of men that the shift isn't happening quick enough in my mind. And I mean, I guess pro, some progress is better than none, but I think it needs to be furthered quicker. I would agree with that. And I think, like I said, you're seeing that with women switching over to the entrepreneurial side of things. Yeah. And I think that that's their shift. Instead of yeah. battling the men that are at the top of the building, <laughs> yeah. they're just, yeah. they're creating their own building, right? Yeah. And so like, you are seeing that out. shift. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so- you know, when I say self-imposed, I don't want that to be, Hey, I'm doing this all by, you know, I'm doing this to myself. Yeah. There are components where we do limit ourselves. Right. For sure. And there are components where it is being limited for us. Yes. But I think absolutely. when we look at it as a whole, we have options. And I think women before didn't think that they did. Yeah. And, and so you're now you're starting to see that shift and you're starting to see women get out of victim mode and say, Hey, wait a minute. I don't have to work for you anymore. I can work for myself. That's it. I'm going to be, if, if you're not going to see the value in me and promote me to where I need to be, whether it be CFO, CEO, whatever the case may be, fuck it. I'm going to become my own CEO then. (laughs) I'm done. That's it. Yeah. So I wanted to clarify that for a second, because I I know you were kind of taken aback by my comment, I think. Um, A little bit. (laughs) But hopefully you can see why I said that now. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I I wanted to clarify that because I'm sure we're going to have viewers like, what the hell did she just say? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that we're getting, we're breaking through those barriers. And I think, you know, like I said, we're, we're not limiting ourselves anymore. And I think sometimes we've played so small that we've limited ourselves and not thinking outside the box and seeing that we do have more options than just this. Yeah, for sure. So Tiffany, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? <laughs> I'm pretty badass. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think what has helped me be successful up until this point, you know, given everything that I've been able to do is, is my ability to mix my empathy and nursing passion with my sales type A personality. I think it's my no BS approach, but I have compassion. Yeah. You know, I've always been a strong individual, but I, I didn't realize how strong until I had to be, right? And I think that in itself has been such a good mix for me, you know, with my customers, you know, I've always had good relationships with them and I've had a no BS approach with them and they've always respected me for that and, and my counterparts and people that I've talked to. And I think that and grounding myself with my family has made me successful. Speaking of success, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? Oh, goodness. That's a good question. I definitely don't define it by money and possessions. If I had to put a definition on it, it would be my ability to give back. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Oh, goodness. I think my kids inspire me the most. 
you know, that childlike learning behavior, me being able to work with them on emotional intelligence, learning how to self be self-aware, self-regulate. It inspires me in the fact that I know I'm raising strong women who can handle themselves and their emotions. I love that. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) These are such tough questions, Brad. I'm trying to think what is the uh, most important thing I've learned in my most important thing I've learned in my life is that, and I said it before, is life is an illusion. And it is based off of your own perception. What is true to you is not true to me. What's true to me is not true to you. And I think when I really started to figure that out and look at life differently, it opened up such a different world for me. You know, before I was closed off, my opinion mattered, my beliefs mattered. No, this is how I see this. There is no other way. This is what has to happen. And I was so narrow focused. And when I changed that, I became so much more open and broad definitely changed my life. Life altering is good. Yes. What's your personal motto? (laughs) It used to be never let them see you sweat. (laughs) (laughs) I think my personal motto now is get up, dress up, show up and never give up. My mentor who passed away from cancer, that was one of the first mottos that he gave me was Tiff, you get up, you dress up, you show up and you never give up. And I you know, throughout my illness, when I was sick, I, that was one of the things that I would revert back to is, is that moment in time when he told me that. And I was like, if I do nothing else today, get up. If I do nothing else today, dress up. If I do nothing else today, I need to show up, show up for myself, show up for my business, show up for other people. But at the end of the day, don't you ever give up. I love that. That is so powerful. Oh, it was so powerful. I mean, there was days, Brad, that I was like, okay, the only thing I can do today is get up. I'm sure. The only thing I can do today is show up for myself. Yeah. Today, I'm not giving up on myself. And when I really took that to heart, that motto to heart, it really powered me through some really, really tough times. And again, that's where it all starts is with self. Yeah, because self. If, if you don't take care of yourself, how the fuck are you going to take care of <laughs> or do anything for anybody else? Yeah. And I could not take care of myself. And, you know, that was, it was the most humbling thing I could ever go through considering how independent I was yeah, and how dependent I became. A complete 180. Oh, complete. I lost my identity. I didn't know who I was. You know, I would cry. I would look, you know, my husband would leave for work and my kids were at school and I would be laying in bed and I would see pictures of myself just wondering like, is she ever going to come back? So speaking of power, what does the word empowerment mean to you? I think empowerment to me means enabling other people to do better, not just myself, but enabling other people. You know, now that I have tools to empower myself, I really want other people to learn them as well. And that is a collective, right? I mean, when we empower each other, just think of the magnitude of that. Oh, Um, yeah. Community, you you cannot lose with community. Everybody wins when we when we all help and support one another. Right. And especially in these times, right? We are yeah. so divided on, you know, political parties, vaccine, non-vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. so divided. Things that don't really mean shit in the grand scheme of things. Grand like, scheme of things. You, you right? think about that. We become divided by such trivial bullshit. Yes. It, it, it's it's unreal. Like these things really, whether to vax or not vax, political parties, which political party you support, these things don't mean shit in the grand scheme of, of life. No, because I can tell you when I laid in that bed, I didn't give a fuck about any of it. Exactly. Right. When I lost everything that I had worked hard for, it didn't matter. The only thing that mattered was myself 
my family, and how the hell I was going to get out of this. Nobody came in and asked me if I was Democrat or Republican. (laughs) Nobody asked me if I was vaccinated or not vaccinated. Exactly. It was, what can we do to help you? But nobody could. The only person that could pull me out of that hell was me. That's right. And that's where most like humbling said, experience. Yeah. That's the foundation, right? As we said previously, yep. self is the foundation for everything. Yep. And it's not until you lose it until you realize it. Okay. So we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping okay. of questions will just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. What was your dream job as a child? <laughs> Another male dominated field sports broadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing How, a trend, Brad. <laughs> yes, definitely. How would you describe yourself in one word? Strong. What would your family and friends list as a couple of your best characteristics? Mm, my empathy, my boldness, but also my heart. What's your one of your favorite entrepreneurial books? Leverage Your Mindset by Ricky. Why am I going to blank on Ricky's last name? I think it's Ricky Calvin. Yes. Okay. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Ooh, respect. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Mm, gosh, I don't know. I would say just belief. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Our ability to not judge others. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? <laughs> she shoots straight with no BS. <laughs> Watch <What>? out. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite stress-reducing activity? Visualizations. That concludes our rapid-fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> what do you do, Tiffany, to keep yourself inspired every day and to inspire others? I think one of the things that I do to keep myself inspired is, you know, when I go out to social media or I'm going out and looking for, you know, groups that I want to participate in for my business, I see people who want to do better and I see people who want to make their lives better. And I'm inspired by the fact that they want to do those things. My goal with that is to give them the tools to do it. My inspiration to others, what do I, what do I do to keep you know, others inspired is just sharing my raw, honest truth, you know, being vulnerable, being okay with the fact that, you know, I had some tragedies happen. You know, these are things that aren't talked about. And I'm hoping that that one day will inspire somebody to make change. What is one of your favorite quotes? This, I am so excited you asked this. (laughs) I wrote this one down. You've always had the power, my dear. You just had to learn it for yourself. Love that. Wizard of Oz. (laughs) I'm noticing a theme here too. These Wizard of Oz references. (laughs) (laughs) I will be honest with you, Brad. This is actually, I have a tattoo. I have five tattoos. Yeah. And I know this is like taboo to talk about, right? No. This was one of my tattoos that I got probably two years before I became sick. And little did I know the meaning it was going to have when I got it. It was powerful. Sounds like it. What's an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? Oh my goodness. I think the unexpected blessing of all of this is all the people that I've met, you know, from clients that I have to people who want to partner with me, people who want to have the same movement that I have, you know, even being on this podcast with you, Brad, I these all have been unexpected blessings. That's a great way of looking at that. I've never had anyone answer that question like that. That's awesome. Thanks. What would you say is one of your biggest, and I don't like using this word, but failures or we'll call it life lessons or teachable moments. And what did Mm -hmm. you learn from it? I think one of my biggest life lessons is that life truly isn't fair, but it's what you do with it. Not everything's going to go your way. 
There's going to be moments we sit in victim mode. There's moments that things are going to affect us unbelievably so that we are beside ourselves. But I think I have learned and I'm learning and continue to learn how to take the best moments out of those life lessons or failures and turn it into something positive. And that right there is the key is to flip the narrative on it and take the good out of it. Just like you and I spoke before we even got on air and we talked about it on air too, is the whole COVID situation Mm -hmm. and the silver linings, looking for those silver linings in the bad. Because yeah, again, there's been a ton of bad, a ton of loss, a ton of grief and all of that. But you have to flip the narrative and look at the good that's come out of these bad situations too. Because if you don't, you'll end up down a very dark and deep rabbit hole that will be very hard to climb out of. Yes. And that's the thing you can, you can allow it to destroy you or you can allow yourself to learn from it. And I, I don't sit in destroy mode anymore. I don't sit and wonder what ifs I I make a decision and I go with it. And I have the tools to deal with the consequences that happen from that. That's, that's the key. That's it for sure. What would you say are the top three skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? Hmm. I think one is vulnerability. I think one is tenacity. And I think probably the third one would be agility. What is the most entrepreneurial thing about you? I control my own schedule. (laughs) 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 I think one of the biggest, you know, entrepreneurial things about me is my ability to network. You know, I did a lot of that in my corporate business, but, you know, I think moving over to this space is my ability to see that sometimes you need to collaborate with other people to make yourself stronger. And, you know, sometimes you have to kind of step outside the box a little bit. And I think that, you know, my ability to be able to do those things and navigate that world, that's where the agility comes in as, you know, kind of one of the top three skills yeah. is being agile in your business, I think are, are probably one of my biggest. Tiffany, what does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? Oh, this is a good visualization. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, when I close my eyes and I think of this best version of me is I I'm teaching others and I'm really empowering other people to better themselves. I know we have a lot of coaches in the industry that are doing that, but I really want to do it from a mental, physical standpoint. And I want to see people be mentally healthy, physically healthy. And I want to see businesses survive. You know, that's how our economy grows. You know, I want something left behind for my children. And I'm sure our viewers do too. And it starts with us. And, you know, it's starting with me. If you could go back, Tiffany, and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Mm, You don't have to believe everything you see in here. (laughs) (laughs) In all honesty, I, I would say that because I built so many belief systems on things that happened in my childhood right? Trauma doesn't have to be this huge event. It can be something so small that, you know, a negative life experience. And I think I believed in it so much. And I believed in what people told me and what people projected on me. And I think if I could go back and give my younger self some advice, it would be like, you know what, think for yourself. That's key for sure. Lastly, Tiffany, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say? Oh, gosh. In order to live a full life, you have to learn to be self-aware and self and learn how to self-regulate. That is the key to a stress-free life. And you have to know yourself first before you can know anybody else. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for taking the time to be here today and share your story and your journey with us. 
you are incredibly inspiring with all that you've overcome and all that you've managed to do and where you are today. I appreciate you and just I'm I'm in awe of all that you've been able to accomplish. So thank you so much for being here and sharing that. I appreciate you. Brad, thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate what you're doing. I mean, you're allowing us to have a voice and you know, that's, that's an empowerment piece, right? That's exactly (laughs) right. With the name (laughs) of the podcast. And I appreciate you giving us a platform. I mean, this is so outside of the box for us. And and I know you've been doing it for quite a long time. So I, I appreciate just being able to be a part of it. Thank you. That, that means a lot to me. And it's nice to hear that it's appreciated. And I, I love doing this. I love sitting down and having these conversations with all of the incredible women like yourself and learning about what you women have been through and your stories and the adversity and the struggles that you've been through and the successes that have come out of these these adverse situations and these struggles. It's it's so inspiring. I, I honestly pull inspiration from every single one of your stories. So I appreciate each and every one of you. It's it's amazing that I get to do this and I love it. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an honor. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Tiffany Spencer. She is the owner and founder of a Mindset by Design LLC. Thanks so much, Tiffany. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You as well. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.